Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's episode is one of the most requested ones that I've had from clients and DMs. And this episode is basically going to be like nutrition 101, like what's a calorie, a macro, a supplement, how to calculate calories, restriction mindset, energy, sleep, stress, mindset before diet, fad diets, mistakes, all this kind of stuff that how to manage weekends. So it's going to be a one-stop shop for people that they can go to and a quick resource. So if you are looking, if you're coming from a yo-yo dieting background, I would highly recommend to listen to this. If you are a coach or a PT and you're trying to get relevant information that can, you can use with your clients on a day-to-day basis, I would probably revert them to this episode. The whole point of this episode is that's a quick point of reference for you. I'll probably get a pen and paper in it. I don't know how long the episode's going to last. This is probably my second time trying to record this episode. I've tried to record and the file got deleted on me for whatever reason. So yeah, podcast life sometimes doesn't go according to plan. So sometimes the computer crashes on a Friday morning when you're trying to record. But it's a sign that, uh, that I wasn't really happy with the episode anyway. So this episode is going to go really, really through the basics. And the basic relevance of it's also going to give you an an evidence-based approach and a practical approach that you can use on every day the information it can become overwhelming and that's where a lot of people can get bogged down in things nutrition and i have orla walsh who i've interviewed already and the interview will be out in a couple of weeks orla walsh talks about that nutrition is quite simple but what complicates it generally is the human mindset the behaviors and that side of stuff behind it so what we need to rectify and look at is these are going to be the basic principles and it's important for you to realize that without practical application, without challenging the mindset, without tweaking your behaviors and stuff, it can be very difficult to address things. So there can be all or nothing approaches, there can be self-sabotage. There's a lot of psychological barriers behind people when they try to lose weight or gain weight or whatever it may be. And generally the brain is the bit that drives an awful lot of people. So when I'm talking about the basic nutrition 101, this is just a very quick synopsis and guide to what are the basic principles. To apply them to yourself, you may need a coach or may need guidance for that. So if you want a coach, pop me a message and I will be ha- love to have a call with you to see if I can guide you to what direction you want to go. And if you are happy with that philosophy that I'm going to talk about in a sec, well then we'll go for it. So the big thing that I want you to imagine, I want you to write out before we start. What I want you to write out and draw out is a triangle. So the, the bigger base at the very bottom of the triangle and the peak is at the top, okay? So we're going to break that into levels. So at the bottom of the triangle, what I want you to do is like on the outside of the triangle. So there's the, there's the base of the triangle and below that, I want you to write out managing your sleep and your stress. That is one of the most important things when it comes to fat loss and weight gain or whatever it may be. So at the bottom of the period, pyramid i want you to write out managing stress and sleep then at the base of the pyramid within the actual triangle itself is i want you to write totally total calories consumed the basic premise of calories in calories out is that if you consume too little calories or too too few calories for your what but what your body needs at that point in time you will lose weight. If you consume too much calories for your body, what your body needs at that time consistently, you will gain weight. That's essentially what happens. 
okay? So outside the pyramid is the managing sleep and stress. Inside the pyramid, the very base is total calories consumed. The next level is your macros, which is your fats, carbs, and proteins, okay? Which I'll talk about how they work and the importance of each one. Then the next level is gonna be on the same level is gonna be your adherence and your quality of your foods. The next level above that will be your kind of your micronutrients, like your fiber, etc., and your minerals and stuff. And then the top of the pyramid should be your supplements. So if you've drawn that out as managing sleep and stress is just on the, the on the on the outside of that triangle, then in the first level on the inside the triangle will be total calories consumed, then it'll be macros, then it'll be adherence, then it will be total quality of foods on the same level. Then it will be your micronutrients and then it'll be your supplements. That's essentially the pyramid to fat loss. That essentially is the, the ones at the very, very bottom are the most important, the least important, still important, but the least important will be at the top of that pyramid. So if you've drawn that out or if you haven't drawn that out, go back and listen back to the last two minutes, two and a half minutes of what I've talked about and dropping that out. If you're not sure, go to the post that I did on April 19th and you will see there the quick guide to fat loss. And that's essentially what that pyramid is, is entailing. And that gives you a guideline. Like if you're someone who's visual, it's really, really important to look at it um, because it helps me. I'm quite a visual person. I like to write things out and use my hands and stuff like that to describe things as, as I'm talking, my hands go nuts. So, and some people like to listen to things, but if you're someone who actually wants to save that somewhere, draw out that triangle, listen back to the last two or three minutes and you'll be able to get that. So at the bottom, managing and sleep, inside the, the, the base of that first of that triangle is total calories consumed, then it's your macros, then it's your adherence and quality of foods, then it's your micronutrients, and then it's your supplements, okay? So the bottom bit is your most important, top, top bit is the least important, but they're still important, but the least important. So what we need to do now is we are going to start with the, 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 the what calories are and what they actually do. So most of us have, ha- have heard of what a calorie is. We see them on food packets. We see them on labels. We see them sometimes in menus. And sometimes we can see them on on smartphones through the likes of MyFitnessPal. And they can be pointed as kind of like negative and should we count calories or should we count calories? And what I would say on this is if you're coming from an eating disorder background, counting calories may not be the tool for you. And I would go and seek guidance from a therapist or I'd go and talk to someone as a doctor. If you're coming from someone who's looking to improve relationship with food, you can do it alongside addressing your sleep um, issues, your stress issues, your emotional eating. And if you're someone who's looking to improve their knowledge on what a calorie is and how many calories are in a certain thing, well then my fitness plan can help. But my fitness pal isn't 100% accurate. My fitness pal isn't 100% accurate. And most people will be like, what do you mean? It's only as accurate as the person entering the level of information in. The database behind it has been added by every single person who has used it. So if the person who is entering that information in isn't may not have the educate relevant education, it may not be the right information, but is a rough guideline and rough estimate than rather than winging it and not knowing what you're doing. It's better than that, but it's not 100% accurate. So if you're aiming for it, the perfect amount of calories with my fitness pal, it's not going to 100% accurate. It's a great tool in the right hands, but I wouldn't use a hammer to change a light bulb. And what I mean by that is, if you're someone who's coming from an eating disorder background, my fitness pal 
is probably not suitable for you. If you're coming from someone who's trying to lose weight for the first time and wants to use it as an education tool, it's great. There's a barcode scanning function on it that you can scan the barcode of the food, but you need to remember that if you are scanning the barcode, the measurements are generally per 100 grams. And you may need to multiply that by a little bit more. So you could, if you're having 150 grams of say oats or pasta or whatever it may be, you may need to multiply that by one and a half times rather than just the one because it was going to be more accurate. So I would always recommend to overcalculate than undercalculate. So if you're, yeah, that's basically what it is. So we need to understand what an actual calorie is. So in order to have energy in our body and in order to sustain life, to think, to grow, to function, to have a regular cycle, to be active, we need to have enough calories in our body in order for it to function. Okay. And the best way to think of calories is like your body's energy budget. So if you think of it like finance, if you have a budget, if you consume too few, you will probably lose weight or you'll be in savings. And then if you are consuming too too much for your body consistently, you will gain weight. So we extract calories from food during digestion and we use them to support our daily functions from running, from walking, from sitting at a desk, from running for a bus or whatever it may be. And we also use calories while we're sleeping, when we're fidgeting. We use calories when we're actually thinking, when we're trying to function through things. So they are really, really important and they're the basic premise of how our bodies actually function. If we don't have enough calories in it, we could be feel tired, we could be all that kind of stuff. Um, and scientists developed a way to actually measure the calories in food by creating an object called a bomb calorimeter. And this was a way of burning the food. And this contraption or machine measures the change in water temperature making it pretty straightforward to calculate the number of calories in the food. So if the water temperature goes up or went up by one degree per gram, the food sample that has one calorie or five degrees per gram would mean five calories would be in the food. So so one calorie is the same amount of energy it would take to raise the temperature of one gram of water by one degree Celsius, okay? But our bodies are not those machines. Our bodies are very, very different machines. So we don't actually like set light to the food in order to release the fuel. We use chemicals like digestive enzymes and the the thing, uh, a kind of a contraption called mastication, not masturbation. So sorry for if that's made you laugh and you've had kids in the car with you, but mastication is through chewing. And we use that on digestion to manipulate the food and extract the energy that we get from the actual food itself. It's not a perfect system, but it works. So as food actually moves along the way, the kind of like the digestive tract, our body is, is unable to squeeze out every single available calorie and some of get lost in through feces or urine. So it takes the, the body to take what it needs and anything extra will be pooed out or great through urine. That's essentially what it means. There's been attempts to correct this, um, but if we look at the amount of calories that are in certain foods, and people will talk about like how many calories in proteins, how many calories are in this X, Y, and Z. So for every one gram of protein, there are four calories. For every one gram of carbohydrates, there are four calories. For every one gram of fats, there are nine calories. For every one gram of alcohol, there are seven calories. 
So when people start talking about like carbs are bad, all that kind of stuff, they're not bad. They're actually your body's preferred source of energy. So they're the bits that give you the energy and I'll talk about the macros in a sec. But protein and carbs are worth the same amount of calories. They have very different functions to the body, but they're worth the same amount of calories. Okay, so if someone's aiming for around 2000 calories in a day and they are consuming and they're aiming for the 2000 calories that they're aiming for and say that's their deficit or whatever it may be. Yes, that number people may need to have that level of calories in order to lose weight, not that 1200 calorie that people keep going for. But if someone is having, say, 2000 calories of protein, 2000 calories of fats, 2000 calories of carbohydrates. Once they're within that calorie range and they're in that calorie deficit, they will be okay, but the body will feel very different. So if someone's feeling having 2000 calories of sugar, the body will go through up and down energy and won't feel amazing. But if someone's having 2000 calories of whole grain carbs, more protein, fats on a regular basis, more veggies, they're going to feel a lot more balanced and a lot more in tune. So it's like the example with money again. If you've 2,000 euro to spend, it doesn't matter if it's made up of five euros, 10 euros, 20 euros, or 50 euros. It's all made, it will all add up to 2,000 euro. Same with calories. It doesn't matter what it's made up of as long as the budget is stuck to. But protein probably would be the one that is the most important as it will keep you fuller. It will help your immune system. It will help to get toned, which is build muscle. It will help muscle regrowth. Carbohydrates are for energy. Fats are through for cycle health, for immune function, for brain health. And I'll talk about those in different reasons. But then we need to look at how, how many calories do we actually need? So there's a lot of information from government party lines on calories that men need 2,500 calories and women need 2,000 calories a day. These estimates are based on averages on of averages of weight muscle mass physical activity levels and they're based on the different ranges and stuff like that but they're not that straightforward so the complexity and the differentiations between every single body so you can't say that someone who's 100 kilos is going to need the same amount of calories as someone who's 70 kilos if it's a bigger body it's going to probably need more it's going to need more calories in order to to kind of stay consistent have the relevant information uh, relevant energy levels but someone who's 70 calories won't need as much food in order to keep their body going as much as they want it's a very stab in the dark it's a very here's a generic number now go and aim for it it's the exact number of calories you need on a daily basis depends on how active you are it depends on your weight, your height, your sex, your age, your genetics, and your overall body composition. So it really, really depends. If you're really, really active, you'll need more calories. So think of it like a car. If you are driving a lot, you'll probably need more fuel in your car and need to top that up that little bit more. If you are more sedentary and sitting at your desk all day, you probably won't need as much fuel in order to, to function. And that's essentially what that means. So... I know there's an awful lot of information being thrown at you, a lot of terms. So I'm going to talk about kind of like the sciencey terms now and what they actually mean. So now that we know that we need to consume less calories if we want than our body needs on, our, on a regular basis in order to lose weight consistently, 
and then if we need to consume more calories than our body needs and burns and all that kind of stuff on a consistent level in order to gain weight then we need to look at well what are the three main bodily processes that actually burn the calories so you may have heard that of a thing called bmr which is your basal metabolic rate and this is your how your metabolism works and this is how your body functions this is what it does to like make your body actually function so we've spoken about it already so someone may need x amount of number in their body to function to remain the same weight other people may need more or less so it's important to play around with it then we've got tef which means thermic effect of food so around 10 to 15 percent of the calories you eat is used to power digestion so you actually burn calories through food that you are digesting okay and then we also burn calories through physical activities so if you're more active you will need more fuel if you are less active you will need less fuel okay so if you are consistently eating the same amount of calories that your body needs and burns on a daily basis you will remain the same weight if you need if you are eating less than your body is burning you will lose weight and you're doing that consistently if you are consuming more you will gain weight and that's essentially what's at play so we've got thermic effect of food we've got your bmr and that's essentially how we and then you've got your activity levels and that's essentially how we figure out how many calories you should be on so how do you find out how many calories your body actually needs in order to remain the same weight and how many calories do you need to go into a surplus how many calories do you need to go into in order to go into a deficit so when most people open up my fitness pal they will go for what's the quickest they'll go for two pounds of weight loss a week and they'll end up coming up with a magic number of 1200 calories now if someone is small in height and hasn't got an awful lot of weight to lose generally 1200 calories can be an option for them would i would i advise it for most people absolutely not it's the equivalent of nutritional equivalent of what a four-year-old girl needs on a daily basis so it's very low it's very restrictive yes you'll get you'll lose weight off that if you're sticking to it but that's the biggest thing you need to think about back and look at that image you've drawn out about the level of adherence when it comes to the whole thing of being able to stick to something if you can't stick to something you're going to get frustrated and that's where yo-yo dieting comes in so if someone is looking for how many how do i just how do i find out how many calories i'm on or i need or more in, in order to kind of like lose weight what i would do is i would google a calorie calculator all right so there's they're, they'll all come up with different numbers all right generally they're going to be in and around the same all right so i will actually do mine now live on air all right so you're going to hear some clicking in the background okay so i have no idea what i weigh by the way i have no i literally have no idea i don't i don't really care so i'm going to put it put in a generic number of about 80 kilos i'm going to multiply it by 24 for a man if you are a woman and you're doing this with me put in 22 okay so that gives me 1920 calories okay so that is the amount of calories that my body needs 
if I did not move at all, did not blink, did not do anything for the whole day. So that's the amount of calories that my body needs if I didn't do anything. Like even if we fidget, like my hands moving as I'm talking, as I'm talking, I'm burning calories, not much, but I'm still burning calories. If I'm blinking, if I'm fidgeting, if I'm moving, if I'm digesting food, I'm still burning calories. So that's literally the amount of food that my body needs if I didn't move at all, which we all move in some shape or form every day. So then we need to bring in the amount of how active I am, okay? So it normally goes on a scale of 1.1, which is that you are sedentary and you're not doing anything really, you're not going out for a walk, you're not training or anything like that. And then we've got a scale of 1.8, which is if you're a farmer or if you're a builder and your steps are really, really high. So I would say that's probably about the, the close to the 15,000 steps a day, which is about, yeah, about 15,000 steps, if not more, about 1.8. So most people, if you're aiming for around seven to 10,000 steps a day, you'll probably be in and around the range of about 1.2 or 1.3 on that range. You can play around with it. It's not a death sentence. It shouldn't be a death sentence, but it'll give you a rough range. So if I multiply the 1,920 calories by my activity levels, I'm going to say around 1.3 which means i'm getting out for say an hour walk every single day that will give me a calories of 2496 calories that i need to remain the same weight it's not that at 2495 calories i'll lose weight and 2497 calories i'll gain weight it's a rough estimate it's given me that 2,496 calories in and around that number is what my body needs in order to remain the same weight, okay? But it's not an exact number. I normally advise people to use a, a when I'm gonna talk about the next stage. So in order to lose weight, the number generally is about three to 500 calories of a deficit you'll need in order to lose weight, three to 500 calories in order to gain weight. It's generally a safe option and should aim for about half a pound to a pound a week of weight loss on average. Some people won't be happy with that number. When you go into my fitness pal, you're aim for two pounds of weight loss a week, but you won't be able to stick to it. So would you rather be able to stick to it and stay consistent and be able to have the foods that you enjoy every day or would you rather be not being able to adhere, get more frustrated and be back to square one? I know which option I prefer. So if I subtract three, three to 500 calories off that, it's going to give me a range of about 1900 calories to 2100 calories a day in order for me to be in some sort of deficit. And if I do that consistently over time, I'll lose about half a pound to a pound of weight loss a week. So the number again is enter your weight in in kg. Okay, your body weight in kg. Multiply it by, if you're a woman, by 22. If you're a man, by 24. So I'm, okay. Then that will come up with the amount of calories that your body needs. If you didn't move all day, if you didn't blink, if you didn't breathe, if you didn't do anything, that's the amount of calories that you need to, to just to exist. Okay. Then we multiply it by the amount of calories or the amount of activity you have on a daily basis. If you're someone who doesn't move and just stays at the desk all day, it's 1.1. If you're a farmer or a builder, it's 1.8. If you were getting about 10,000 steps, it's roughly at about the kind of like 1.2 to 1.4. You could play around with it and see what you can adhere to. So multiply it by the activity levels 
and then you subtract three to 500 calories off it, all right? That will be a safer option for you than using that two pounds of weight loss a week. A hell of a lot safer, hell of a lot better for you. Mentally, you'll be able to stick to it a lot more. But if you go, and it's giving you a range, so if you are counting calories, rather than sticking to, so I'm on 1700, say 1700 calories, and you went over 1701 and you got annoyed, this gives you a range of like 17 to 1900 calories so that it'll be in and around it and then if things aren't moving or things and you're being consistent and you're being adherent aim for the lower level and you'll probably and if it hasn't moved in about two weeks you'll probably be the way to do it that's if someone's counting calories if you're coming from binge eating order disorder you shouldn't be counting calories you should be talking to someone you should be working with a therapist but that's my personal opinion and if someone is counting calories, that's probably the way I would do it. So go back and listen to that element of it. And my fitness pal is a great tool, but generally if you're going in for two pounds of weight loss a week and you have all or nothing approaches or yo-yo dieting, it's very restrictive. And if you're not adhering to it, you're gonna frustrate yourself. You'll probably stick to it until Wednesday and then give up by and give up then and then you'll start again on Monday. So if you want to reduce that impact, I would probably aim for at three to 500 calorie range and it's what you do on average so when i talk about what you do on average it's like when you have it's like when you have money and you have a budget if you overspend one of the days well then you reduce your spending for the rest of the month so that you can pay all your bills and all that kind of stuff it's the same thing with with uh, calories so if you're aiming for 2000 calories a day the seven days in a week there's 14,000 calories if you overspend on one of the days to say 3,000 calories, that leaves you with 11,000 calories for the rest of the week and you'll still be successful. So you'll find out there'll be a range. So enter it into, if you're if someone's using Excel, that you'll find that if you overspend one of the days, there's no issue with that. If you're consistently overspending on your days, then it's, there's a level of adherence issue. But if you take on average what you're doing, so it could be two and a half thousand calories, two thousand calories, eighteen hundred calories, twenty two hundred calories, two thousand calories, two thousand calories, two thousand calories, and you'll probably still be in your deficit. But if you're going twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred for the whole week, and you should be having around two thousand calories, well then you need to look at right. That's you're you're not going to get the adherence there. So it's about setting yourself up for success. So I'm really hoping that makes sense. If you're looking at forecasting your budget for your spending after you get paid each month. You're, you've probably written out a budget. Well, you should have written out a budget. So go back and listen to how to calculate calories. If you don't want to do that and the maths is complicating you, it's confusing you, just go to any calorie calculator and you'll be able to figure it out. So if you're active, aim on the higher level. If you are not active and have a sedentary job and you're not moving at all, well then you're gonna be on the lower level, so you're gonna need less calories for your body to function. If you are more active, you'll need more uh, calories in, for, in order for your body to function. So then we look at like to count calories or not to count calories. And that's a personal opinion, it's completely up to yourself. I've calorie, I've clients that calorie count, I've clients that don't calorie count. And then if you have an eating disorder, I would probably recommend not to calorie count. And I have calorie counted. I dipped in for one day out of curiosity to see what I was eating and I was very surprised at the level of protein that I was at. So the amount of calories is the number one. Then it's your macros, your protein, carbohydrates and fats. Then it's your level of adherence. 
then it's also alongside the same level it's your quality of foods then it's your micronutrients and then it's your um your supplements but if you're not going to stick to calorie counting consistently then it's not the tool for you if you're willing to use it on a regular basis for a few weeks and you're fine after a month of using it and you you're educating yourself on it well then it's the right tool for you but if you keep dipping in and out of it and you're not committing to it or it's not the tool for you because it's bringing up stress or you're stressed you're not using it then it's not the tool for you so i'd highly recommend to work with a coach on the approach that i would use is on that case would be aiming for more regular meals because what generally happens if someone's stressed they either don't eat or they overeat but if you have more regular meals it will reduce, reduce the picking in the evening it will reduce the it will reduce and will increase the level of adherence which is overall the most important thing for consistent effort like we know the most important thing is your total calories but it's the most important thing for you so now we're going to look at the actual macros themselves okay so we will start with your macros which are your carbs your fats and your protein so we'll start off with fats and i'll always remember the interview that i did with natalie lennon and she spoke about fats and the importance of them so there was a myth at one stage that fats make you fat fats do not make you fat as we're already if you've been listening to it and you've been trying to take all this information in it's the total amount of calories that you can see on a daily basis which has the biggest impact if you're eating more consistently you'll put on weight if you're eating less consistently you'll lose weight but we can we need to look at the amount of fats so for one every one gram of fats equals nine calories so it's over double what a carbohydrate and protein is but that doesn't make it bad it does not make it bad a food cannot be bad it's not it hasn't got a moral compass it's just worth that a little bit more so we need to look at what the what the types of fats are like oily fish almonds nuts mackerel uh, avocado that side of stuff are all fats and why we actually need some fat is it's, it's essential that we do have some in a healthy and balanced diet a healthy and balanced diet which i'm going to talk about in a little while is very different for every single person it is essential for fatty acids and the and the body cannot actually make it itself it helps absorb the vitamins vitamin a vitamin d and vitamin e and these are all called vitamins that are fat soluble which means that they can only be absorbed with the help of fats so it's like a it's an assister so if we don't get fats in it's gonna block out getting vitamin a d and e in so we need to have them in our diet so any fat that's not used by our actually body cells are turned into energy is converted into body fat so if we're consistently consuming more calories we're going to continue to to get to gain weight likewise unused carbohydrates and fats can also and unused calories will be consumed and will be uh, made into uh, fat so we need to look at the main types of fats there's saturated fats there's unsaturated fats and then there's also trans fats which we spoke about in a sec so most fats and oils contain both saturated and unsaturated fats in different proportions and as a general recommendation i would try to reduce as much as possible the level of trans fats out of your diet which is the likes of man-made trans fats if you look at america america has a fairly 
no nonsense approach to trans fats, which is man-made stuff like margarine. They're not amazing for your health. They're man-made. They're not. They're not organic. They're not. Not that it has to be organic, but it's not. It's not the best option in relation to fats. So we look at saturated fats. They're found in many, many foods, both sweet and savory, and most of them come from animal sources, including dairy, meat, as well as plant foods such as palm oil and coconut oil. So remember, fats are quite high in calories, but they're not. So if you're consuming an awful lot of like peanuts and stuff like that, they can add up quite quickly, and then can kind of kind of kick into the amount of calories that you're having. So be careful of the amount that you're consuming but not for overall health reasons if you're having a balanced nutritious diet which is completely different to every single person so food high foods high in saturated fats are fatty cuts of meat including sausages and pies butter uh, ghee a lard cheese hard cheese like cheddar would be an example cream sour cream ice cream chocolate um, biscuits cakes pastries palm oil coconut oil and coconut cream so one of the things that you hear about with fats is cholesterol. So cholesterol is a fatty substance that's mostly made up by the body and the liver. It's carried in the blood as LDL and HDL. So LDL is low-density lipoprotein and HDL is high-density lipoprotein. So eating too much of anything is going to have a negative impact on people's health. So eating too much saturated fats can raise the LDL, which is so-called the less positive or bad cholesterol in your blood which can re increase the heart disease or stroke or whatever it may be and the good one is the hdl which can have a positive effect by taking cholesterol from parts of the body where there's too much of it in the liver and it's and then it's disposed of so hdl is the good cholesterol ldl is the one that we need to reduce there's cholesterol on every single food but if we're having too much of anything and too much of a good thing well then it's kind of like looking at it from a point of view that we may need to find some sort of balance for yourself there are general recommendations of guidelines that the government in the uk and ireland recommend in relation to fats and stuff like that but they're like the, the, the calorie guidelines um because people can get bogged down in these numbers and once they get bogged down in them they can latch onto them and they can get frustrated if they go over them but we need to look at that side of things um, and don't try not to give you a generic number uh, trans fats the trans fats are generally found naturally at low levels in some foods such as meat and dairy products they can be also found in particularly hydrogenated vegetable oils um, and they, these actual oils have to be declared on food ingredients and it must include these foods on the actual labels itself so generally adults should aim for no more than five grams of trans fats a day so that's like margarine all that kind of stuff so most of us don't really eat a huge amount of trans fats normally someone would probably like the recommendations probably have five grams most people would have about on average about two and a half grams some will have more some will have less but on average is the what i'm basing it for T people here tend to eat a little bit more saturated fat uh, than trans fats um so it's important to look at the amount of calories you're consuming is number one and if we're having an awful lot of fats but then it's kind of it's there's nothing negative about it it's important for your overall health then we've got unsaturated fats um so if you want to kind of look at reducing your overall risk of health in heart disease you'll need to look at potentially swapping saturated fats for unsaturated fats um there's decent evidence that replaces saturated fats with some unsaturated fats can help to reduce calorie uh, your cholesterol levels. These can be 
put in from oils, plants, fish, all that kind of stuff. Um, so like the, the really big benefit of having fats would be that it also helps cycle regularity. It helps to immune function. It helps with brain cognition, all that kind of stuff as well. We've also got monounsaturated fats. Uh, these include, these protect by helping to maintain your levels of your HDL, which is your good cholesterol, and reducing levels of your bad cholesterol levels, which is your LDL, which is olive oil, rapeseed oil, uh, so if you, and avocados and stuff, um, nuts, hazelnuts, peanuts, and stuff like that. But if you look at the Mediterranean diet, which is out there, they will generally have olive oil. Like they're not drinking it, but they can have some olive oil, and they put olive oil in aiming for plenty of two or three pieces of oily fish if you don't like fish or have an allergy to fish you may need to supplement or you may need to go for uh, different options and talk to a doctor or a nutritionist in order to get the the the, the, the different option for that side of things um then we've got polyunsaturated fats and these can also help to lower the level of the ldl which is your negative cholesterol and the two types of these are your omega-3 and your omega-6s so you may be supplementing with them already so you're not getting enough oily fish highly recommend to get these in uh, and these omegas cannot be made by your body which means it's essential to have these getting them in through the rapeseed corn sunflower kippers trout sardines mackerel salmons most people don't get enough omega-6s in their diet so two portions of oily fish a week is hugely beneficial and i would highly recommend to doing it so I would look at, it's coming down to your total amount of calories that you're consuming. Fats, I would include them in your diet, particularly if you're a woman for health, cycle regularity. It's really, really important for that. Overall health, just be mindful of your trans fats and then looking at your cholesterol levels. Your doctor will be able to advise you what to reduce and what to increase regarding cholesterol levels, your LDL, your HDL, and looking at that side of things. So one gram of fats equals nine calories they're just a little bit more expensive and calorie wise than your proteins or your carbohydrates they're not bad they won't make you fat there is a purpose to them in your body particularly for women if you do not get enough fats or enough energy into your body you will not regulate your cycle and you'll have cycle issues so fats some people prefer fats to carbohydrates i prefer carbohydrates to fats but some people prefer better uh, like if you're an ultra runner you'll probably feel better on fats depending on the individual obviously but include fats in your in your diet um, just be conscious of the amount of calories that's in them doesn't make them negative because they're higher in calories by the way it just means that you may need to be a little bit more cautious of them total calories consumed is what the holy grail is so now we talk about carbohydrates the one that people get annoyed with and kind of get frustrated that I can't have carbohydrates carbohydrates are bad no food is bad no food is bad foods do not have a moral compass so they cannot be bad so carbohydrates or carbs is generally a macronutrient found in food and drink for every one gram of carbohydrate equals four calories so it's worth the same amount of money or calories as protein but it has a very different impact on the body so how does so the example of a car would be a bread or a pasta or a fruit and the way that the body actually processes carbohydrates is your digestive system breaks down the carbs into glucose or blood sugar then your bloodstream absorbs the glucose and it uses it to, to as energy to actually fuel your body 
So the amount of carbs you consume can affect blood sugar. So if you're if you are a diabetic, carbohydrates you may not be able to uh, break down the glucose or the energy coming from the carbohydrate, and you may you'll need to like inject yourself with insulin in order to kind of get that. So carbs aren't bad. Taking in a lot, but for diabetics, they need to be conscious of them. So taking in a lot of carbs can raise blood sugar levels, um, and but they're the body's preferred source of energy. So I know I function better off carbohydrates. So I'll aim to have carbohydrates with my main meals, which can be like whole grain, whole grain options or whole grain pasta. Not saying white starchy carbs are bad at all. What I'm saying is. If you reduce them, you'll get more bang for your buck if you if you've whole grain options, because you'll help with fiber. And if our if our stomach is happy through getting fiber, which we'll talk about in a little while, um, well then you'll feel better because your stomach's happy, your brain's happy. So there are three main types of carbohydrates: there's sugar, there's starch, and there's fiber. All right. So sugar, sugar isn't bad, right? So sugar isn't bad. So sugar is the kind of this, it's the simplest form of carbohydrate. It occurs naturally in some foods, including fruit, veggies, milk, and milk products. And types of sugar include fruit sugar, which is called fructose. Then you've got table sugar, which is sucrose. And then you've got milk sugar, which is lactose. So milk sugar, which you'll hear lactose intolerant, which is the one in milk. Fructose is the one that's in fruit. And then you've got table sugar, which is sucrose, all right? so. Added sugars can be found in many foods, such as cookies, sugary drinks, and candy. Because sugar can be quite high in calories, that is why there is a negative media attention to it. If you're consistently consuming too many calories, you could be gaining weight. And if you are consistently gaining weight and it's having an impact on your health, you need to look at the amount of calories that you are consuming. So when that happens, doctors for whatever reason, will blame sugar and say you need to cut out those foods. Cutting out anything, unless it's for an absolute medical intervention, won't work long term. Potentially reducing them from the amount that you're having, maybe a few portions to one or two portions could be more beneficial for you rather than going cold turkey. Because what will happen is, if you go cold turkey on something, you're going to want it. Normal human response will be, if I cut out a food and tell myself I can't have it, well, then I'm going to want to have it. Like sugary foods and carbs make us feel warm. They're a comfort food generally. We associate them with happier times. Like if you think about like ice cream or sweets or chocolate, generally we'll go for those foods when we are want to comfort ourselves. And that's a normal human response. So if you're a woman listening to this, when you get PMS or when you get someone's listening to this and they get tired or hungover, the body's preferred energy source. It wants the quickest source of energy into the body. And carbohydrates is the one that's going to provide the quickest source of energy into the body. So that's why we go for more carbohydrate rich foods when we get tired, when women get uh, PMS, or when we get hungover. We go for those more, uh, those type of foods. It's not that we crave carbs, it's not that women crave carbs. It just means that they need to give themselves that little bit more energy and having a little bit more energy will get them through that moment and that's essentially what's happening so then we've got starch which is a complex carb and this means it's made of many sugar units bonded together and starch occurs naturally in veggies grains and cooked dry beans and peas so then we look at fiber 
which is a complex carbohydrate and occurs naturally in fruits, veggies, whole grains, cooked dried beans and peas. Okay, so fiber is really, really good for your good health, your digestion, all that kind of stuff. So how many carbs do we need? It's going to come down to the total amount of calories that you consume. Um, there isn't a perfect number for it. There's recommendations, which I'm not going to give. But generally, if you're someone who likes carbohydrates, I would include them. If you don't like carbohydrates for whatever reason, or if you're diabetic, you need to be conscious of it. So carbohydrates and your overall health. They are vital for your health for many reasons. They provide energy. Carbohydrates are the body's main fuel source. During digestion, sugars and starches are broken down into simple sugars. They're then absorbed into the actual bloodstream itself, where they're known as blood sugar or blood glucose. From there, the glucose, or the energy, enters the body cells with the help of insulin. Glucose is used by the body for energy, and the glucose fuels your activities, whether it's going for a jog or simple breathing and thinking. Extra glucose is stored in the liver, muscles, and other cells for later use, or extra glucose is then converted to fat, if in a caloric surplus. So then we've got protecting against disease. It, the whole grains will give and dietary fiber can help to reduce the, the aspects of diet, of um, heart disease and stroke. Uh, can We don't get enough veggies. So if you're not getting, you, like we're 100% not getting enough veggies in your diet. So fresh, frozen, tinned, doesn't really matter. Get veggies into regular meals, get fruit into your regular meals. It's so, so imperative that you get veggies into your day. It would help with your macronutrients. It would help to get your body the, the minerals and vitamins it needs. And it will stop you having to spend loads of money on supplements and stuff like that. It can also help to keep you fuller. If you think of your stomach like a plastic bag, fruit and veggies take more space up in that plastic bag so that you won't be as hungry as quickly. That's when people talk about fruit and veggies, massive impact on your hunger regulation and massive impact on overall health. And I would recommend going for whole grain carbohydrates. I would go for recommend for more fruit and veggies, more peas, lentils, beans, and kind of trying to reduce the sugar that you're having for more processed foods. Reduce is the word I've used. I didn't say cut out or limit. So for every one gram of carbohydrates, I would recommend, for every one gram of carbohydrate, it equals four calories. Carbohydrates are essential to the body's preferred source of energy. If you're unhappy without them, you need to include them. They're, they're massively impact on ovulation. So we wouldn't be here if our if our mom didn't ovulate. So they had enough energy in their body in order to ovulate. You need to have enough energy in your body. And the body's preferred source of energy is carbohydrates. So we need to have carbohydrates in our diet. Someone goes keto and they cut it out and they feel better on it. All credit to them. But the body's preferred source is carbohydrates. So if you're cutting them out, like bread or anything like that, you need to look at why you're cutting them out. Well, they're bad. How are they bad? How are carbohydrates bad? Whenever I just explain that they're the, the body's preferred source of energy and you're limiting your body's preferred source of energy. Think about it. Have you ever stuck to cutting out the food? Have you ever stuck to cutting out fats? Have you ever stuck to cutting out carbohydrates? The answer is probably no. So I would probably leave them in. Carbohydrates are class. Fats are, 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 are great too. So I keep fats in. For overall cycle, hormone health, 100% leave carbs in. So the next one that you'll probably hear an awful lot about is protein. So protein is found in the likes of Greek yogurt, meat, fish, chicken, 
that side of things and then you've got the vegan side of things which are damn beans all that kind of stuff stuff so i think everyone is of is generally agreed that protein is huge and it's important and it's 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 actually crucial to good health so the reason why so one gram of protein equals four calories okay so proteins are made up of amino acids that join together to form long chains so you can think of protein as a string of beads in which each bead is an amino acid and there are 20 amino acids that help form the thousands of different proteins in your actual body so proteins do most of their work in the cell and perform various jobs and some of the most important ones that and the functions of the body is growth and maintenance so your body needs protein for growth and maintenance of tissues so yeah your body's proteins are in a constant state of turnover they're constantly working so under normal normal circumstances your body breaks down the same amount of protein that it uses to build and repair the tissue so if you are training with weights or if you're running you need protein to recover okay and that's one of the biggest things it helps to recover the body through um when the body's worn down an immune system so think of covid they talk about getting vitamin d and protein in to help to get enough recovery and help to recover the muscle and that side of things in with protein okay it helps to help to keep you fuller for longer so protein actually takes more effort for your body to digest and actually burns more calories to digest than the other ones so in order for you to keep yourself fuller for longer protein would be the one that would recommend so remember calories in calories out is number one then it talks about your macros and in order and i normally recommend giving a protein target to clients who are counting calories and that's the only real one i go for so i would aim for getting protein with your breakfast lunch and dinner if you don't want to count calories if you're looking for a safe option in order to, to have a number to aim for but some people can get bogged down in this and there's so many different numbers the old recommendation was 0.8 grams per kg of body weight and now it's closer to one gram of per kg of body weight i would just break it down into simpler form for yourself and get protein with each meal thoughts on protein bars they're glorified chocolate bars there are better options they're handy on the go and stuff like that i still eat them the odd time uh, but if i would aim for getting your protein from your main meals and your snacks greek yogurt is a really handy one cottage cheese is a handy one your chicken your fish your meats all that kind of stuff are really handy and if you're struggling get like whey protein powder which is a food it's not a supplement it's a food and you can throw that into your porridge you can throw that into your oats you can throw that into a shaker if you want and it's a really handy way of keep kind of keeping it up um if you want um that doesn't mean you're going to turn into arnold schwarzenegger but if you're looking to build muscle and get toned which is what tone tone means build muscle protein is the glue that will help you to build muscle so you need to have it in there in order for it to recover and to repair it and it will, it will really really help you on that side of things it transports and stores nutrients as well which is an important thing that a lot of people don't realize it transports um minerals vitamins and blood sugar and cholesterol and oxygen around the body as well which is an important thing it provides energy energy to the body it plays massively important role to the actual body um so 
protein cannot be downplayed. If you're looking to be more adherent, it's the amount of calories that you're consuming. And it's not a death sentence with the amount of calories you're consuming. Protein, I would aim to have a higher number. Remember, if you have a budget of 2,000 euro, it doesn't matter if it's five years, 10 years, 20 euros, it all adds up to 2,000 euro. If your kind of calories is the same, but the one that I would kind of really conscious of making an effort on is getting really decent levels of protein in. If you're looking at a picture of a plate right now, I would look at getting protein, carbohydrates, fats, and veggies onto most plates where on meals where possible. Um, and that kind of comes in with the relation to the issue of what definition of healthy eating is. And I had Jonathan Goodman on to talk about this in more detail. So go back to that episode. But most people's issue with kind of healthy eating and what their definition is, it's like, well, I can't have this, I can't have that. Well, that's not a healthy approach. That's not healthy eating. That's a restrictive mindset. That's a dieting mindset. I'm going to take this food out in order to adhere to what I'm doing. No, no, you're actually causing more stress to your life than cutting out the food. So it's important that you look at what does, what's right out what healthy eating actually means to you. And look at what that definition, does it involve cutting out of food? Or is healthy eating and uh, write out what healthy eating actually is and figure out, is it having protein with most meals? Is it having more veggies, having more fruit? Like I think we all know what to do and what the definition is, but it's got blurred along the information that you're taking out. So if you're looking for people who are looking to give you the very decent information, it'll be the likes of Ben Carpenter, the likes of Brian Keane, the likes of uh, James Smith, the likes of Martin McDonald, the likes of Lane Norton. It would be, yeah, there's so many people out there, but generally the ones that come to my head straight away that the, the no-nonsense evidence-based approach. If there's anyone else that I've forgotten about, like Luke Tullock and stuff like that, who's going to be on the podcast, who has been on the podcast, um, there's going to be lots of information on like Zoe Fid and, sorry, Zoe Lee, um, Zoe Lee Carpenter now. Um, those kind of, on Orla Walsh and yeah, there's, there's so many decent accounts to follow. If there's something says to cut out something, it's a death sentence. It's not going to actually hurt, aim you, help you in any way. So you need to look at what you, what your definition of a healthy eating is. If it, if your, if your diet doesn't allow you to have your favorite food, well then I would say it's not a healthy approach. If it doesn't allow you to have chocolate on a daily basis or your soul food, like Leon Ward calls it, then it's not a healthy approach. That's my interpretation of it. I have ice cream every single day and it's it helps me, it soothes me, it, it kind of like, it just gives me um, something to look forward to when I'm chilling out. And I'm still able to have carbs and still able to have protein, still able to have fats, still able to have my ice cream, but it's what you do on average that's gonna get you to your goal. So the other question that kind of comes in is a mindset before diet, a diet before mindset. I would say you can't diet yourself out of a negative mindset around food. Generally, when clients come on board with me, and I literally had this conversation before I came in, of generally the first four weeks of working with someone is trying to dissect and trying to improve the relationship with food and themselves and understand what they believe and where they've learned it from and actually look at has that applied and has that been suiting you and what you're saying you want to do. And then this, the next lot of time that clients work with me, it's kind of like, right, we've done the really nitty gritty stuff. Now it's time to like try proper make progress. So you're not saying you can't make progress without learning and learning it on the way, but it's imp like the whole carb myth and make you fat. Carbs won't make you fat. Like just, just that's just silly. Like, um, 
but it's from the media. If you're looking at the media or the Daily Mail or any of these other newspapers that are potentially out there, I'm just using these guys as an example. There can be sensationalist headlines and certain uh, resources and stuff like that. And the if something says something is bad, if something says something is negative or it's too good to be true, I would say if it's too good to be true, it's probably bullshit. Uh, evidence-based when people talk about it is generally it's being able to read research but it's also being able to apply it with clients and have it apply it to yourself and taking the human behavior and humor element into it into into things because evidence-based and people and trainee trainers and nutritionists get bogged down this evidence-based doesn't mean you can read a paper anyone can read a paper but if you can't understand it well that's the first problem but the likes of lane norton and ben carpenter kind of transfer the most complicated information and make it on a day-to-day basis and if you can apply it to your life and you can apply it to your clients and then that's evidence-based it's not just that you can read a paper everyone can read a paper well most people can read a paper papers are interesting people papers can be if they're done on rats they're not great a lot of the studies that have been done out there on rats and last time i checked humans are not rats they're not the same the bodies function in different different way when people come back to grind the protein stuff like that unless you have kidney issues too much protein is not an issue um so i wouldn't worry about it too much it comes back into your calories and that side of stuff um so if we're coming back to mindset before a diet i would say mindset i'll work on that for the first while before you kind of go into an overall diet and that's what any coach should do is kind of look at what you're doing already and add to what you're doing rather than taking away from what you're doing because if any coach that you've had is saying take a fruit because it's too much sugar run away if someone tells tells you that 